So we're towards the tail end of our series on David. Each week, we're kind of following David's life. Um, and today's an exciting day because David finally becomes king. We've been waiting for this day. He has been almost king for quite a while, and he's about to be king here in just a minute. So let me pray for us, and we'll dive into David's story today. God, thank you so much for what we read, for what we learn, and how we apply it. God, may we not forget that last part. May we recognize you in these words that we are going to be reading. May we recognize the truth that comes from you on only your word. But may we also learn how to apply this in our own lives. May we not just read it to learn more. May we read it to understand you, grow in our relationship with you, and become more and more like you. So speak to us today, for we are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. So over 4th of July weekend, uh, my family, we were out of town visiting family up in Cincinnati, Ohio, just for a short little mini uh, trip in July. And we went up there and the kids are always like, well, what can we do? Let's do different things. Let's do new things. So I took them to a driving range and they've only done this a couple times. My daughter, Collins, who's five, she's never really been to a driving range before. We're like, ah, this will be fun. A whole family outing, including Becky. So we all go to the driving range. The three kids come with me. Becky's getting stuff out of the car and I take the kids inside to get our bucket of balls and pay the gentleman behind the counter. So we wait our turn. We wait in line. And as we get up to the counter, uh, tell them what we're going to do. Hey, we're from out of town and we needed to borrow a couple clubs. And so we got our, our tokens to go get our bucket of balls. And this gentleman behind the counter said, you know what? I've got something for you. And it was all transactional until this point. And, and I'm going to tell you what he gave the kids in just a second, but you need to know, like, we did not pay for this. We did not earn this. We didn't do anything to deserve this. Like there was nothing that we did that was deserving of what this, this gentleman was about to do. So he gives us our tokens. He says, I'll be right back. So he walks to the back part of the clubhouse and walks out carrying three ice cream sandwiches. Now, at first I was like, me, Connor, Cole, there's four, but I understood what was happening here. So he hands these three, and he doesn't just hand them across the counter. He walks out from behind the counter and gets down on the level of my three kids and says, here you go, here you go, here you go. And my goodness, like they were just they were like, golf is the best thing ever. We should go to the driving range all the time, dad. I'm like, this does not normally happen. In fact, I've never seen this happen before. Didn't even know they had ice cream sandwiches but they were thrilled. They were blown away. They were just grinning ear to ear. There's thank you, thank you, thank you. And the gentleman just smiled and says, you're welcome. Now I tell you that story and I want to highlight one more time. We did not pay for those. We did not ask for those. We were not expecting to receive that. I was expecting to pay my money and then receive a bucket of golf balls. That's all that I was expecting. And I was expecting them to be nice. Thank you. You're welcome. Have a great day. Like I was expecting nice. I was expecting polite. I was not expecting kindness. I was not expecting this gentleman to do something beyond expectation. I was not expecting him to give us something we didn't deserve, didn't pay for, didn't earn, or didn't ask for. But he did it anyway. That's our word for today. Kindness. What does it mean to be kind? Why are we kind? How do we show kindness? And I recognize this is one of those, those words that probably we're all thinking, we're gonna spend the next how long talking about kindness? Like, I think I understand that. Let me push, on, let me push back on that just for a moment. When I think of the world that we live in, holistically, 
Kindness is not a word I tend to use to describe us generally, me included in that. Right? We would like to think we understand it. We would like to think that we know all there is to know about kindness. We would like to think that we act in kindness, but let's be honest, that's not very true. And I want to make sure that there's a clear distinction here that, that I'm not talking about nice and polite. I'm not talking about make sure you mind your manners. I'm not talking about make sure to say please and thank you. We're talking about something that goes beyond expectation. Let me, let me explain it this way. The way I would define or describe nice is all about meeting social expectations. Nice is a culturally acceptable response that make others view you favorably. So when you act nicely, people look at you and say, wow, what a nice person. It was a favorable interaction. Bottom line, nice will make you a good citizen, period. That's what nice does. Kindness goes way beyond that. I would say that kindness goes beyond expectations. It's beyond just nice. It's beyond just being polite. There's something else going on in our hearts when we act with kindness and show kindness. I say that because we don't see nice necessarily throughout the Bible. We do see kind mentioned over and over and over and over again in the way that God treats us in regards to what God does in us and then how we show kindness to others. Galatians chapter five, verses 22 and 23. Many of you are familiar with this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience. What's the next one? Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law, uh, other than this, there is no law against these things. So the fact that kindness is listed amongst these other, what we call the fruit of the spirit, recognize what that means. It's the Holy Spirit that produces this in me and in you. Kindness comes from the Holy Spirit. And when it's produced in us, it is intended for the sole benefit of somebody else. That's the nature of fruit, right? An apple tree produces apples, not for itself, but for the good and benefit of others. So when kindness is produced in you, it's not for you. It is for the benefit of others. So if we can, at least for our conversation this morning, do your best. I know it's a fine line and it's kind of hard to define kindness and nice and kindness and goodness. So try if you can to make this divide of kindnesses beyond expectations. Kindness in more than just being nice. Kindness is grown in us, developed in us and produced in us by God, by his spirit which means we need to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us and prompt us to not just have a heart that is kind, but also to show kindness. So hopefully that sets up just a little bit of what we're gonna see happen with David. So if you have your Bibles, here's the story of David we're gonna see today, 2 Samuel chapter nine. 2 Samuel chapter nine, be there and follow along. If you don't have a Bible that you can read or understand or find, make sure you grab one out in the lobby. That's yours, write your name in it, take notes in it, bring it with you, open it, not just on Sundays, but throughout the week. Let me give you a little context though, especially if you haven't been with us the last month as we've been studying David. David has been chosen as king. The, the Bible word there is anointed as king. He's gonna be the future king. But up until this point, Saul has been the actual king. Saul has not been a very good king. He's an insecure leader. He's destructive. He's dangerous. He has disobeyed God. So God says, Saul, you're no longer gonna be my king. 
And at some point, David is going to take your spot. That didn't make Saul very happy. So then Saul started chasing after David. Literally, King Saul has been trying to kill David. So David's been hiding in the mountains and out in the wilderness and out in caves. But we finally get to this part of the story where Saul has died, not by David's hand. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Saul has died, which means now David is finally king. We read this in verse 15 out of, actu- out of chapter 8. So David reigned over all of Israel and did what was just and right for all of his people. So David is finally seated on the throne. He is finally king. And one of the first things that we see, yes, he was victorious in his battles and he's done a lot for his people. But one of the things that he does early on is a very interesting story. It's unexpected It's unique, and it focuses around that one word of kindness. Here's the story. As we go through this, obviously, we want to look at how we can be kind, how we can show kindness, but there's a bigger part of this story that we'll see by the end. Here it is, verse 1 out of 2 Samuel chapter 9. Pay attention to the word kindness. One day David asked, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? He summoned a man named Ziba who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba? The king asked. Yes, sir, I am, Ziba replied. The king then asked him, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Ziba replied, yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He is crippled in both feet. Well, where is he? The king asked. In Lodabar, Ziba told him, at the home of Makir, son of Emil. So David sent for him and brought him from Makir's home. A couple of things we notice, not just the desire of David's heart. He's wanting to show kindness. He's asking, but he is looking. He's out intentionally seeking and searching and looking for someone. And he opens it pretty wide. Is there anybody, anybody from Saul's family? Is there any descendant of Saul, a, a child, a grandchild, an aunt, an uncle, a cousin twice removed? Is there anybody? Is there anybody that is part of Saul's family that is still alive? Because I want to reach out to them. Remember, remember context. Saul is the one that had been trying to kill David. Saul's the one that had made David an enemy of the state. Saul's the one that sent troops to go and kill David. Saul, by his own hand, tried to kill David personally. And here David is looking for anyone that is still alive that's related to Saul because he only wants to show kindness. Here's what we see. We have to search and find ways to show kindness. I love that David is looking. He's actively pursuing. See, if we were to break down how we are kind, there's kind of three buckets that we tend to fall into. And me included, I tend to fall in the first and second bucket. The first one is, well, when something happens, I will react with kindness. So if there is a problem, I will try to be kind and to meet a need or to help solve that problem, right? You're going to hear me talk about this a little bit later. We're going to be asking uh, for school donations for schools and the place, different nonprofits for school supplies. So, well, there's a need. So you can do a kind thing like, yeah, I'll help out. I'll buy some erasers and some paper and like, I'll help, right? So that's kind of bucket number one of kindness. We're all pretty good at that. When something happens, we react or respond in kindness. The second bucket is a little bit harder because it requires awareness. Like no one's asking for your help. No one's saying, hey, you, will you be kind? Like this is just, oh, I paid attention and I noticed there's an opportunity to do something kind, 
right? You, you help somebody that didn't necessarily ask for help, right? There's this way of, I'm aware of my surroundings and I'm choosing to be kind. We're usually in those two buckets. The third one is what David does. He woke up that morning and says, I need to find someone to be kind to. I don't know of any needs. I don't know of any opportunities. No one's asked me anything. No one has said anything to me. So I have to go find a way to be kind. I need to search for someone to show kindness to because I can't find them right now. No one in front of me is, is needing this kind of kindness. So I'm gonna go looking. Oh, that's a whole nother level of showing kindness where we're actually pursuing, we're actually looking for ways that we can show kindness. The reason that's so important, and I don't want us to just move too fast over that, yeah, yeah, I just need to look for ways and wake up thinking about being kind. It's more than that. Because if we're not careful, we get used to things that are broken. So I have a, I drive a Honda Pilot and the car key that gets, in, gets me into my car where I lock or unlock it, the battery for that remote has been dead for like years. So like, you know, you push the unlock button and nothing happens. You push the lock button, nothing, like it doesn't work at all. So that means I have been forced over the last couple years, at least, to actually use the key. Like I have to walk to my car, wait till I get to my car, put the key in the side handle, turn it, and then open my door. Like for the longest time, I'm like, how do people do this? Like, how does, how did, because you got your hands full and like kids are trying to get in. I'm like, wait, 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 it's going to take forever. I've got to actually unlock and lock. What happens now is I just don't lock and unlock my car, if you want to know. It's a lot easier that way. The button doesn't work. Just forget it. Take the car. Take the car. Somebody can steal it. <laughs> but I've been doing that for so long. Guess what? I've never fixed the battery. All, literally all it needs is a, re, is a battery replacement. I'm like, not worth it. Not worth it. I've, I've learned how to use the key the way it's supposed to be used for the last couple years, I'm good, I'm fine. Like I've gotten so used to it. My kids have even gotten used to it. Dad, I need the keys, no problem. And they don't even try to use the button anymore. They just go up and do the whole thing. Like we get used to things that are broken. I'm sure you have something similar. You have a light bulb in your house that has been out for a long time. And you're like, you know what? We've, we've lasted this long, we don't need it. Just don't worry about it. I see wives like, you're gonna change that light bulb today. <laughs> You have a, a cracked screen on your phone and you're like, you know, I can still kind of see what people are saying. I get the gist of it. It's not worth fixing it. At some point we get so used to brokenness around us, it becomes normal. And when the brokenness around us becomes normal, you know what happens? We lose our desire to do anything about it. I'm used to it. It's part of life. I have no desire to do anything about it. And there's so many needs around us. There's so much brokenness around us that we get used to it. And so if we don't do like David, if we don't wake up each day, how can I be kind today? Who can I be kind today? How can I show kindness today? I don't know what the needs are. I don't know who's gonna need this kindness. I don't know where I'm gonna have the opportunity, but I'm looking for it. I'm searching for it. I am gonna find someone to show kindness to today, but I've gotta go looking. Because the brokenness is there, but oftentimes we make it so normal. Search and find ways to show kindness. David didn't have to do what he is about to do for this man. He could have woken up and had a normal day as king. Instead, he woke up on mission 
saying, I am going to find someone. I am going to find a way. May we be willing to do the same. So he hears about this person. We don't have a name yet. We're about to be introduced to him. So David sends for him and he comes over. Verse six, his name was Mephibosheth. Do we need to practice that name? Mephibosheth. It's a great name. By the way, um, if you have parents, if you have a kid in elementary school, uh, in elementary age and class today, they're learning about Mephibosheth. Well, see if they can pronounce the name when they come out of class today, see what they do. You'll get all kinds of different uh, pronunciations of this name. So his name was Mephibosheth and he was Jonathan's son, Saul's grandson. You see the family tree here, Saul then Jonathan, then Mephibosheth. He was Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. David said, greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. Can we just think about what's going through probably Mephibosheth's mind right now? Your grandfather is Saul, the man who tried to kill the current king who now you are bowed down in front of. You were summoned without explanation. You were called to leave your home and come into the king's presence kind of randomly. You know the stories, you know the history, you know the bad blood between King Saul and now King David. I mean, if I'm him, I don't have anything good going through my head. I mean, it's nothing but fear, more fear, and a lot of fear, which is why we get David's response in verse seven. Don't be afraid. (laughs) Like there's a lot of reasons for Mephibosheth to be afraid of David. But David says, don't be afraid. I intend to show kindness. There's a word again. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. And I will give you, look what he does. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. Totally unexpected. Not what Mephibosheth thought this day would lead to. Verse eight, we see Mephibosheth's response. He bowed low and respectfully and exclaimed, listen to his words. Who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me? That's how he views himself compared to David. Who am I? David, what have I done to deserve this? I haven't done anything to deserve this or earn this. David, I can't pay you back for this. David, I know our family's history. Like none of this makes sense. So his question is valid. Who am I? Why are you doing this? Why, David, show kindness to a man like me? What a great question. It's such a great question. David actually gives insight into his answer, into his reason for showing this level of kindness, to search him out, to seek him out, but to go way beyond expectations of property and possession. We actually told this twice. We see it at the very beginning, and then we see it down here when he actually spoke to Mephibosheth. The first part is in verse one. Is there anyone whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? And he says it again straight to Mephibosheth's face. He says, I intend to show kindness to you, here's the word, because of my promise to your father. So understand what's happening here. This man, Mephibosheth, has nothing to offer David, cannot and would not be able to benefit David in any way. Kind of the definition of kindness. We as the person giving kindness receive no benefit from it. However, the person receiving the kindness is greatly benefited. So here, Mephibosheth has nothing to offer, has, has no deserving, 
is not deserving, has done nothing to earn this. If anything, it'd be the opposite because of the family history. Yet, if you know a little bit of the story of David, he was good friends with Mephibosheth's father, Jonathan. So the whole reason for this story, the whole reason for David's kindness is because not of Mephibosheth, but because of his father. In other words, David's kindness to Mephibosheth had nothing to do with who Mephibosheth was, what he could offer, what he could do, or what he has done. But it had a whole lot to do with who his father was. So let's translate that for us today. My kindness towards you, the kindness I should have towards you, towards anybody else that I encounter, whether it's a close relationship, an acquaintance, or a stranger, or a guy at a golf course, no matter who I interact with, my kindness shown has nothing to do with you and what you can do for me, how you can benefit me, what you have done, what you could do. It has nothing to do with you, but it has everything to do with who your heavenly father is. You are a child of God. And so how I treat you says a lot about how I treat your father. Someone said this quote, let me say it, it's an anonymous quote. The greatest thing a man can do for his heavenly father is to be kind to his other children. Changes how we view people, doesn't it? It's not just what can you do for me. It's not just what have you done to me. It's not what do I gain and benefit from you. You recognize the value of an individual because of their father, that they are a child of God. Let's take this one more layer into application. Let me put this up here. This might be worth, uh, if you wanna work on this this week, might be worth writing down to fill in the blanks. Here's something you can work on. I will show kindness to, and then fill in a blank. Like David, there needs to be a name to it. It's not like, I'm gonna be kind to people. I'm like, okay, not helpful. Like, who's the name? Who is your Mephibosheth? I'm gonna look for somebody specific. Put a name in there. I will show kindness too. And if I may offer a suggestion, if I can offer a suggestion, David went after somebody who he did not have a great relationship with already. Right? He went to Saul's grandson. You know that enemy that I had? You know that man that tried to kill me? I want to show kindness to somebody in that family. So can I like push you a little bit to put a name in there of somebody that, you know, we don't really get along. They might not have tried to kill you, but maybe there's some bad blood there. Could you put that person's name in? So I will show kindness to who? By doing what? David had already planned out what he was gonna do. He gave him possessions, all the land, all the property that your grandfather had, I'm gonna now give it back. If you keep reading, he tells Mephibosheth, all the servants that your father and grandfather had that are now my servants since I kind of took over, I'm gonna give them back to you. So Mephibosheth has received from David property, possessions, as well as servants, he's gotten it all. And don't miss why. I'm gonna show kindness to who? By doing what? For the reason, because they are a child of God. And how we treat God's children matters. How we treat one another matters because we are his kids. 
It wasn't just property and possessions and servants that Mephibosheth got from David, though, was it? Did you catch the invitation? Like, this might be the, the kindest part, the most kind aspect of what David does. He invites Mephibosheth to eat at his own table. You're going to eat like a king. You're going to be in the presence of the king. You're going to be with me. He invited him, come and sit at my table. He says, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. We see that mentioned two more times if you keep reading the end of verse 11. And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table like one of the king's own sons. In verse 13, and Mephibosheth, who was crippled in both feet, lived in Jerusalem and ate, there's that word again, regularly at the king's table. This is so key when we're talking about kindness because it's not just, let me hurry up and fix a problem and send you on your way. David doesn't say, Mephibosheth, come over here. Let me take care of you. Here's some food. Here's a couple servants. Now please go. He doesn't quickly move on from Mephibosheth. He says, no, 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 no. This isn't really about your needs. This really isn't even about your problems. This is about a relationship that David wants to build. So he says, yes, I'm gonna give you the possessions and I'm gonna give you the property, but I want you here with me. I want you to be with me. I wanna know you. I want us to have a relationship. I'm gonna treat you like one of my own sons and we're gonna eat together. And do you remember that word? It was mentioned twice, regularly, not one and done. A big aspect of how we would define kindness. Kindness is not one and done. Makes us feel better, doesn't it? Oh, I did my thing. Whew, man, glad that was over. Hope I don't have to do that again. No, kindness continues. There's consistency in kindness regularly, not just one and done. I love that it was David inviting Mephibosheth to his home and specifically his table. It wasn't just, yeah, come and live in this big palace. No, it was come and sit at my table, eat with me. Becky and I, one of our big things when, when we started our family together and, and had our kids, it was like, no, family dinners are going to be really important for us. Like that became one of our big non-negotiables. Like that wins. Regardless of all the other things that happen in the busyness, we make sure during the week we're still eating dinner together a majority of the time. And sometimes it's a real quick family dinner, but that's a really, really big deal for us. And I have to remind our kids, like almost, you would think they would have caught on by now, but eating dinner at our dinner table in the Haas family is not about eating food at all. Like we do eat, sometimes better than others. Doesn't matter what the food is, doesn't matter what the meal is, we're together. And I have to remind my kids of this because we'll all sit at the table, we'll pray, and they'll inhale their food. Can I be excused? I'm like, whoa. No, like you're missing the point. We're sitting here eating together, not to fill our bellies, but to be with one another. So no, if you're done eating, fine, but you still have to sit there. And we have so much fun at the dinner table. I kid you not. We do, we do games. We have our dinner table games, truth and fib, lightning round. We even play charades at the dinner table, which is quite entertaining. We talk, we share, we ask questions, we laugh. Like we love our dinner time together. Not because of what we eat, but because of what happens to our family dynamic and the relationship. Now, this isn't anything new. By no means is this something that we have stumbled on. Uh, two great 
kind of stats to go with this. According to the Journal of Adolescent Health, quote, more frequent family dinners are related to fewer emotional and behavioral problems, greater emotional well-being, more trusting and helpful behaviors towards others, and higher life satisfaction, end quote. Just by having family dinner, by sitting at the table with one another. According to the National Center on Addiction and Substance Abuse at Columbia Columbia University, quote, kids and teens who have family dinner three or more times a week perform better academically, are less likely to engage in risky behaviors such as drugs, alcohol, and sexual activity, and have a better relationship with their parents, end quote. Family time at the table is not just about eating. It's not just about food, it's the relationship. And I think David recognized that. I'm not just trying to feed you to take care of you. I want to have a relationship with you. Kindness is not one and done. It's a whole lot more than just meeting needs and being kind and doing a nice thing. It's blowing expectations out of the water for the benefit of somebody else. That's a great story with great application on how can we show kindness? How can we grow in our kindness? Why do we show kindness? Because they're children of God. But there's a whole other part to the story that I would say is the the most important part of the story. In fact, if you were to walk out today and somebody were to say, hey, tell, tell me what you like talked about at church. Like, what'd you walk away with? And if your answer is, I'm gonna try to be more kind, I will have done something wrong today. If you walk out and somebody asks you like, what was the big takeaway? And you're like, because I need to be more kind because people are the children of God. Like, I'm glad you heard that, but that's not the most important thing. That's not the most important aspect of this story. Because when I read this story, I see how to show kindness and I see the purpose of kindness, but more so I see myself as Mephibosheth. And I see what David did to Mephibosheth as what God has done for us. What David, the kind of kindness that David showed Mephibosheth is but a glimpse into the kindness that God has shown us. Like Mephibosheth, we are far from perfect. In fact, we are broken and weak and afraid, with nothing to offer, no way to benefit God, creator, almighty. I've not done anything to earn kindness. There's no way I can repay his kindness. Yet still, our king has searched for us and has pursued us and has called us and even called us by name and has invited us into his home and has restored us with his kindness. And not just restored us, not just shown us kindness, he's invited us. He has invited us to sit at his table forever. He has invited us in a relation, into a relationship with him. See, the kindness that God shows us is not just about helping us and fixing things and solving our problems. It's about us sitting at his table to have a relationship with us. Titus chapter three, great words to explain the kindness of our God. Titus chapter three, verse four, but when God, our savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. 
He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the, the Spirit on us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And it's because of his grace that he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. That we have confidence that we will sit at his table for all of eternity. Not because of what we have done, not because of how we can benefit God, not because we can repay him, not because of anything we've done to deserve it. He shows us kindness because he wants to be with you and he wants to be with me. He desires a relationship with us. Now, Mephibosheth, when David called him from his home where he was living and here's the possessions and here's how I'm gonna restore your name and I want you to sit at my table. He gave him such a wonderful, almost too good to be true invitation. You know what Mephibosheth could have done? He most certainly could have said, King David, thank you so much for your kindness and your generosity. I'd rather go back to the life that I had. I'm just gonna go back home, find somebody else to give this kindness to. I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna keep living the life that I wanna live the way that I wanna live it before your invitation. So I respectfully decline, King David. Mephibosheth could have done that, totally within his right. Instead, he, speechless, said, who am I? He became like a son to David. See, for you and I, God, through his son Jesus, has shown us unimaginable kindness and grace and mercy. And all he wants is for you to accept, accept that invitation. But you and I, like Mephibosheth, have a decision to make. What do we do with God's kindness? What do we choose in regards to God's kindness? See, instead of asking the question, who can I be kind to? It's a good question, but it's not the best question. Here's what I would say is the best question. Will I accept my king's invitation? as he extends kindness to you and invites you to sit at his table. I want a life with you. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to know you and I want you to know me. Will you accept the invitation of your king and my king? What happens to your hands when you accept something, a gift? What do you do with it? What happens to your hands? Show me. Yeah, you got to open your hands to receive it, right? Yeah. Nobody walks in and getting a gift like, hmm, what am I going to do with that? Right? Maybe a gift you don't want, but a gift that you want to receive, you have to open your hands, you reach out, you grab a hold of it, and you pull it in. I want to give you an opportunity to do something with the kindness that God has shown you. So if we can, if you would close your eyes, and I ask you to close your eyes so that you don't allow the, the distractions in the room to interfere with you listening and having a conversation with God. Some of you here this morning know of the kindness of God, but you've not done anything with the kindness of God. You've not accepted that invitation. Can I encourage you in this moment, just like you would somebody handing you a gift that you would open your hands as recognition and as a symbol of accepting God's invitation, that through Jesus, our Savior, he has given us the gift of eternal life because he went to the cross by going to the cross, he has taken our sins away. He has restored us, given us life, not just now, but for all of eternity. And all we have to do is accept that invitation. We don't deserve it. We can't repay it, but we can accept it.
Some of you have accepted his kindness and you've accepted that invitation. But just like me, we need to be reminded of his kindness. So in a symbolic gesture of recognizing you have received the kindness of God, would you open your hands as well? And as you open your hands, could you imagine being like Mephibosheth, standing in front of the king, broken, weary, tired, and opening your hand to receive the greatest invitation, the greatest gift of kindness you could have ever received. Jesus, we come before you and we thank you so much for the kindness that you have shown us and given us as we sit here in this moment with open hands, whether it's receiving your gift for the first time, whether it's a reminder of what we have been given, may our response be nothing but gratitude. Thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for going to the cross for us. Thank you for showing us love, mercy, forgiveness, and kindness. And may we, yes, live our lives with that in mind. But may we never forget why we are kind. Yes, the people around us are your children, but more importantly, we have received this kindness from you. So may we receive it, may we accept it, and may we live our lives with it. In Jesus' name, amen.